a lot of salad up, up in this bowl. Oh my bowl. goodness. Um, like, that was transformational. Like, I've never seen a person remove a hat and change into another person as much as you did just there. Uh, hey, everybody, it's it's the Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, I know, I know. for those of you who were watching last night, you 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 were promised an Octobox, um, but uh, that, that isn't happening yet. But we have a Septobox, which is still a record, as we welcome the Lauer After Hours crew to the Late Night Happy Hour. Um, a lot of people in here. And so I thought, Andy, it would make sense, first of all, for everybody just to say who they are, because yes. it's a lot of folks. So we'll start here. You know me. I'm Brian. And then the next to me is Andy. And then we'll Ooh. just go clockwise from there. Uh, how you doing? My name is uh, at Beep Count on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. I'm the executive producer of Lower After Hours, uh, main editor, um, do some of the hosting of the episodes and uh, some of the music creation as well. Is that was that your Christian name? At Beep Count on Twitter? Your government uh, name? Given. Yes, that, that that is the given name. Very forward-looking parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> how's it going? Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm in Southern California um, at Los Jiv on Twitter. I um, am part of the Friday night Laughter the Club pod um, every week and just kind of general contributor and jackass of all trades. <laughs> um, this is Ant in Brooklyn out in New York um, at Styano on Twitter. I'm uh, one of the mainstays on Midweek Benches, our sort of midweek pod that we put out. And uh, as Jeff just said, general jackassery whenever possible. Uh, and I'm Lou Rafter in sales, a.k.a. Floyd in sales, a.k.a. Bruce in sales, uh, at Stugat's Army 790. And I am the hat welder for the Lauer After Hours crew. The, the haberdasher? No, <laughs> close. Yes. Welder. I could be the haberdasher of hats. Yes, too. The hat berdasher. And Jeanette. Jeanette. Yes. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, I'm Jeanette uh, at jher17 um, on Twitter. Here, uh, Angelino. Um, much like Jeff, I'm also on the Friday show, Laughter the Club, general contributor, and um, I'm the nice one of the group. This was very, we've never done anything like this before with multiple right. introductions. It was, and it was what like, I learned here is Ant doesn't understand clockwise because, technically speaking, <laughs> after Jeff, Jeanette should have gone next, uh, but that's yeah. okay. Sorry, this I is like the that. least consequential AA meeting ever with people <laughs> introducing themselves. All right, so explain for people who don't know what Lauer After Hours is, explain like what, what is like, why are we here? Like, <laughs> what is your so, show and how did this happen? So over the summer of 2020, uh, a few of us uh, got together. Um, backing up, we're all huge uh, Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts fans, uh, super fans, you can call us. And we got together and said, hey, let's just have a couple of Zoom meetings. Let's, you know, get drunk together on a Friday night and just Zoom. Um, and that turned into, uh, hey, let's create a podcast. And then it kind of spiraled into eight people in the zoom and then 15 people in the zoom. And then next thing you know, we're getting uh, Israel Gutierrez on the, on the podcast. And then we have, you know, Mike Golick jr. And uh, Jason Fitz. Um, and then we talked to the producers from the uh, Levitard show, like Chris Cody and Billy Gill and Roy Bellamy. Um, and now it's turning into this, you know, giant chat of, you know, 20 people on podcast interviewing, you know, the, the Kamenetsky brothers. And as you just saw Magnus ver Magnus. So yeah. And, and here we are. How, how did you guys, um, and Lou can answer this one next may, or assuming Lou was part of this inception, whoever would be appropriate to ask, we're trying to play a little traffic cop here. So, how, how did you guys actually find each other though? Like, like gravitate towards each other to, to realize you guys were all Levitard fans. I think it was all through Twitter. Like, it, that's where, you know, so like uh, at Mike Ryan fan account, uh, he caught him and Steak Sauce, you know. So if you guys listen to the Levitard show, you know, Steak Sauce has been on. He did, it was on the helping container recently. And, you know, he met up with Sarah Spain. And so it's one of those things like, you know, I think Steak, obviously Steak Sauce got on like, you know, the, in the, one of the, um, 
earlier parts of the show. So it's like, you know, I go, oh, I follow at Steak Sauce. So then me and Steak Sauce becomes friends. And then Steak Sauce adds me to the group. And then also we're all friends. I think it's all through Twitter, right? I mean, would you guys yeah. agree? Like we all met through Twitter. And now we're all in group chats on Twitter. And we, you know, probably spend more time talking to each other on Twitter than we actually do <laughs> our families. I mean, is, is your are your families in favor of that? Or are they upset about <laughs> it? Like, how do they react to this? For me, go ahead, go ahead. No, I I say like my, uh, I think my wife understands it. Like she, like all of us who have spouses or uh, significant others uh, don't really, most of us don't get the show so much. And they're just like, y'all crazy, but I'm glad that you have someone to talk to and not me about it. (laughs) Yeah, I would also say uh, similar to that. um, Also, my wife doesn't really like the show. It sort of annoys her, so. She likes that I found an outlet where I could talk Which to show? others. The, the Levitard show. No, okay. Right. <laughs> no, she's been in bed for four hours, so she ain't she ain't up for for you guys, unfortunately. But um, you know, she likes that I found an outlet that's positive and found people that I get along with, we could chat with at the same time every so. She's like, "This again, another Zoom call with so and so." Yes, honey. Yes, yes. So. Well, I, I am impressed. Like you guys have uh, a tremendous following uh, with with the podcast. Uh, many hundreds of ratings, and although I was very disappointed to find if this is actually him, Magnus Bear Magnuson uh, gave you guys a very low rating despite having been on the show. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping that's not actually strongman Magnus Bear Magnuson, but if it is, why? What did you do to him that made him hate your show so much? I listened to that episode. It seemed innocent enough. Brian, I think you got fooled by the internet again. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially because the person he was making fun of was not actually on the pot. <laughs> he didn't do that episode. <laughs> thank God. It was totally like... Uh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's no shark swimming in the uh, the streets of Houston right now. So no. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean. Um, so yeah, one but, of the thing, but one but, of the things that I think is we'll get to some 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 topics and stuff uh, in a second here. But one of the things I think is is interesting about what you guys do is that it is so many people doing like so many different kinds of shows like all the time. Like so. I, I guess beep is, is your job to sort of herd all these things together, but like, how did this evolve into the the program that that you have? Because that to me is kind of fascinating. So it, I guess it kind of started once we started running out of guests to have. Uh, we we kind of ran through the whole Levitard stable and said, well, what do we do now? Um, and we came up with the idea to let's just start recapping the show that we all love and listen to. So we recap the beginning of the week with the post post game show, then the midweek matches, and then on the weekend it's lap of the club. Um, and we have three different groups that are about seven to 10 people in those groups. And we just kind of all get together and drink and have fun and just shoot the shit, you know, just cut it up like a bunch of menches. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I would also add to that um, part of the, part of the reason I think that kind of that structure kind of evolved was there was at some point we were having you know we'd have one person on and I don't remember exactly what our max was but I mean I think we probably had 25 26 people interviewing one person at one point um, like at the absolute max and it got to be I remember particularly there was one episode, I believe it was Billy Gill that I think beep took over six hours editing, then (laughs) lost the file and had to (laughs) re-edit. And, and then at that point we're like, okay, maybe we should try to structure this a little bit. (laughs) I mean, that's like the equivalent of it. Is it Chris or Billy that was uh, in charge of the useless sound montages? That's Billy. Billy. Yeah, the, the, the equivalent of when Billy gets stuck in that hell or used to get stuck in, in, in that hell when the show was still with the ESPN. So like that, I, I feel for you uh, along those lines. Like we, have you guys I mean, because there, there's a lot of, you know, as you said, you guys will recap the show and, you know, you'll you'll get into topics that they talked about, you know, whether with ESPN or in the current uh, independent inception. But there are times where the show your show takes on similar vibes to their show. So a couple of things I want to know. First of all, like who 
among the regulars most resembles which character on Lebetard. Like who's the Lebetard? Who's the Stu Gotts? Who's the Roy? <laughs> well, oh, based man. on hair alone, I think Beep is Lebetard. That is, you got quite the Levitard hair going right now. That was, I, I, I mean, I to say that I, I am still just awed and, and frankly jealous, is, is an understatement. That is glorious. Okay, did you you just decide, Beep, that like you're not cutting your hair until Levitard cuts his, like method acting, something like that? Like you've taken on the role Levitard that much? (laughs) No, so. Um, my real job, I work, uh, hair model in retail. Yes. Hair model. Uh, no, I, I work in retail. So obviously with, you know, the current climate, I'm in contact with people too much as it is. Uh, and you know, I've got a wife and I've got two kids. One of them just turned two, another one's seven months old. So I'm not getting my hair cut until, you know, everyone can get vaccinated and I feel safe enough to go actually out and get the haircut. So I cut my hair at the beginning of the pandemic, so like middle of March of 2020. And then when I started my, my new position, I got it cut September 4th and then I haven't had it cut since. So in a year I've had one haircut. Yeah. I do feel like this is the thing that I've missed out there. There's not a lot of FOMO that goes on in the pandemic because nobody really is doing anything, but I do feel like the opportunity to just let your hair go crazy has been something that I've missed out. Oh, like it's man. not a trend that I've been able to participate I mean, in. There was a I period in my it. life. I mean, look at this. Oh, where I, I mean, oh, look any at that. excuse to show the picture. That was me. Yeah, I was going to say, Andy, every time you get a chance, man. Yes, I do. I mean, wouldn't you look at that? That is glorious. Look at yes, that. Hair. That's fair. That's that, well, this, that is this actually, this is, the this is Andy's equivalent. It is of very the, Gavin Rosdale. I, well, this is the base. This is Andy's equivalent of the Michael Thompson photo that he likes to show. Of himself uh, in the Bahamas, the, what he calls the the guns photo, the, the biceps photo, um, and I know Which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Michael. Yes, he, well, does. he does. Yes, he he shows it to everybody, every opportunity he ever gets. I've seen that photo multiple times. <laughs> like he, there is no hesitation about breaking that thing out and making sure you know exactly what what he looked like in like 1979 in a speedo. Like <laughs> he wants you to see this. So back to your question, though, really quick about who's who. Um, so I think he's not here right now, but um, our point guard generally um, will at, uh, well, I guess Waffle House now on Twitter. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think he's our Mike Ryan. I would say he's our Mike Ryan. He kind okay. of he's he's very talented in a lot of ways, but he's good at running the show. Um. I have been called Billy Gill because I tend to uh, take a long time to get a question out and then I <laughs> ramble and think to myself in the middle of the question and then repeat it again. In the, um, um, I don't know. Who's our, who's our, who else do we got? Who's our Roy? Who, who's, who's our Chris? Chris would be Drake. <laughs> yeah. Sneaky athletic. Um, you don't really expect much from him, but what you get from him is is pretty spectacular. There you go. So, Man. what is what is it? And we'll get to some of the the shenanigans that we have planned. But what is? Why do you think the Levitard show has like sort of developed like this? Because I mean, not I don't want to necessarily you guys, call you guys a cult. No, we're like a cult. A, we're a cult. Okay, yep. I'll go ahead and call you a cult then, <laughs> uh, since you seem so comfortable with it. Um, what about the show, though, you know, kind of lends itself to that? Because, look, I mean, it is a certain – I when the, the – 710 ESPN carried um, the Levitard show for a very brief moment. Um, <laughs> it replaced Colin Coward on our air back when it was still our air. Now it's their air, and we have nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, I would have told everybody that that was not going to work because actually Levitard I'm pretty sure we did tell everybody. I'm pretty that's sure not we did work. actually. <laughs> Levitard show exists to mock Colin's audience, so like <laughs> that wasn't going to work. So what about it though? That's why I like it. But what about it for you guys? And and you think just generally makes it so the people who like it, the people who do get it, love it so much. Um, who wants to start? Just raise your hand. <laughs> Go ahead, Art. Or Ant, um, sorry. So I think what it is, or one of the things that I really like 
is that there's so many different facets. Like you've got Dan, the smart guy. You've got, you know, Stu, who's the liar part. Chris is the oaf. You've got Roy, who's very short. They're all different sort of sides of, of not all of us, but you probably have a little bit of a intelligent side in yourself and a conniving side and you're a little bit athletic, but you're not. And sometimes you talk too much. And like, so all the pieces sort of fit together into something that grows a whole show or, or the, you know, the family aspect of it where everybody's sort of invested on their end. It just makes you more invested on your end, I guess, or that's what it does it for me anyway. Go ahead, Jeff. Um, yeah. And I, I would add to that, that I think for me, one of the biggest things is it's taught me to laugh at myself. And what I mean by that is like, like what you're talking about, it, it's a show that exists to mock Colin Cowherd's audience and like, but in doing that, they have to make fun of themselves, right? So like the whole concept is, screw it, we're not going to take this seriously. This is just sports. We're just, I mean, when it comes down to it, as much as we all love it, we're talking about a you know ball going through a hoop or something like that. And it's not life or death. And so they kind of dive into making themselves the butt of the joke. And that's not something I was particularly good at until I'm like, until I was like, wait, they're embracing this in a cool way that makes it better to be the butt of the joke than not to be. Uh, if that makes any sense. The Dan Levitard shows made you a better person. Yeah, it has. Wow. Jeanette. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to add the uh, level of fan engagement that you get um, on a day-to-day basis. Well, when they are on, I should say uh, also helps because if, you know, you might be someone that works a regular nine to five job and you have a hobby of, you know, playing the guitar or, you know, writing jokes or something like that. And you tweet at them, hey, here's a song that I wrote about, you know, Chris Cody um, or here's a looks like submission that I have about, you know, J.J. Watt or Ben Roethlisberger. And if it meets their standards, you get the retweet and then you're just like, cool. Or when they are, you know, slow news day, it's like, hey, come on, call the number and give us your best uh, basketball swoosh impersonation. And you have people, you know, filling up the phone lines trying to just go. Whoosh, whoosh. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I, I, best, I got you. I got it's you. not the weather for swooshing. It's too much rain. <laughs> There's a lot of rain going on right now. It's yeah. it's crazy. I. I it's crazy when you see Los Angeles react to rain. Like, oh, I mean, it's fantastic. It's it, the it, three things. It's all the top three things, Andy. It's weather, it's earthquakes, and car chases. Yeah. Nothing gets us fired up like that. Earthquake Twitter, earthquake Twitter is insane in LA. Like, I, I've joked before that like earthquakes did not exist until the advent of Twitter. Like, I, I don't I don't know how we actually verified that an earthquake happened. Until we we invented Twitter, um, and, and on the flip side, it, on the flip side though, like Twitter really took out John Ireland's idea for the car chase channel because that's kind of been yeah. made obsolete at this point. That is true. That, that, that was that was John's big thing. He did try to get Mace sold on that. Mace just never bought into the idea. And now I think you're correct. It's too late. So what did you guys? You had mentioned Michael Thompson before, and Michael came up in the email that we were all exchanging about potential talking points for today. It, is there something that you want to share about Michael or are there questions you have about Michael that you'd like us to answer because we worked with him for many years? Like, How do, how do you guys want to handle it's, the Michael it's a, Thompson? It's a Michael Thompson AMA. He's just not here to do it. So <laughs> you just essentially want us to serve as Michael? Yeah, so I, I guess how this came about was, I mean, you know, Jeanette and I have been – listening to 710 and watching Lakers games and everything for a year. So we're familiar, but um, we started talking about Michael in the group chat because a lot of our people aren't from the West coast and aren't super familiar with MT and just like how strange this human being is <laughs> in like, like the best way possible. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, for, for those of us that weren't familiar with, with him, we were going to kind of, Hit on a couple things, Jeanette. You had a, you had some stuff you wanted to bring up about him. Yeah. So the last I heard is uh, he sold a pie that was taken into the ESPN LA studios, and he just there was a, 
uncut fresh coconut cream pie and no one cut into it. So he's just like, cool, it's coming home with me. And then the next time they were on the air, they were giving him grief for, you know, quote unquote, stealing a pie. I mean, that's like a Wednesday for Michael. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, that's mm -hmm. so uneventful <laughs> in the grand scheme of Michael lifting things that aren't nailed down. Like, I, I honestly don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, if you, I mean, honestly, you should, you guys should have Matt Smith, Matt Money Smith on, who worked with him for years. Um, he will tell you a lot of great stories about Michael stealing things. Um, but we, we have had him on. Actually. We okay, did. Yeah. We should have asked him. We you didn't, didn't ask him. Oh, well, that's a wasted opportunity. Yeah, that was a swing and a miss. Um, Matt does a great, terrible impression of Michael, like with this heavy, <laughs> <laughs> this heavy, heavy Bahamian accent that Michael does not actually. Have. <laughs> it's fantastic. The um, so when when did this pie thing happen, Jeanette? Uh, it may have been in like. December or something like that. Mm. Um, but like you said, it could have actually that been. That explains yesterday. why Andy and I didn't hear about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but thank, True. but thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I, I actually have a question sure. about FT. Have you ever seen him um, go through his in and out process, or are you familiar with what his in and out process is? Because this is the strangest damn thing I think I've maybe heard about him. Refresh Where, like, my memory. He goes to an in and out because and it'll get a couple double doubles, but he doesn't trust the the buns that they have touched at in and out. So then he'll get them in his bed and and I guess there's an in and out near his house now. He used to get them in LA, but then he'd take them home and then disassemble the double double and have some specific mustard I think he liked and then added some cheese they didn't have it in and out and then had his own buns that hadn't been handled <laughs> by the people talk in and out. yeah Michael is a tremendous he's a tremendous germ freak like he is a serious germ phobe like you know when staples eventually reopened enough that uh the actual the, the actual broadcast uh crew could call these games like I joked with Michael I told him like this is your dream scenario it's like you get to watch basketball and there are these plastic shields up separating you from other people and you have absolutely no expectations whatsoever to ever shake anybody's hand like you can't even go near enough to, to mm -hmm. do that like this is this is your heaven like i'm sure michael wants the pandemic to end but there's certain parts of it i guarantee he'd like to keep going like there's a little part of him tiny bit upset about the vaccines and like the, their effectiveness and, you know, they're starting to get out there. Like a little <laughs> part of them upset that we might go back to normal. L last thing I had on MT really quick. Is the thing he does, is it really true what he does in a hotel room to your germ, germ freak comment? Like he literally like puts sheets on the floor and everything like that. To my knowledge, he, he t takes a lot of very, germ phobia precautions uh when he goes into a hotel room yes and this um, is way pre-pandemic like he was putting oh, yeah, shit on the floor just to walk around and stuff yeah michael oh, no. was the reason that there was a shortage of hand sanitizer when this all started like that was because <laughs> he had it all um yeah so yeah no th that the, the the precautions that one takes uh, is not it's not new. This is all you know. Michael's no, been doing this for years. There, there was a lot of actually. I told you so from Michael. Like his reaction was like, "I've been preaching this shit for a long time, and nobody <laughs> listened to me. Now who you know? Now who's paying attention?" Uh, I mean, Bahamian. He, he's a Bahamian visionary. He is really is. <laughs> well, he's a national fair, hotels are are filthy, disgusting places. They can they are, be. They're horrible. They, they absolutely. I mean, he, Michael's also a very much a creature of habit. He like when remember Brian when we tried to have him on the show, like he was able to do it because he said he goes to bed at like eleven seventeen every night, like something <laughs> like that. Like he yeah. and he wasn't kidding. He unfortunately couldn't do the show though because they couldn't figure out the tech end of it. He kept having difficulties with the wireless, and then he employed his wife Julie, lovely woman to try to fix the thing and she didn't want to be on camera and she was getting upset about this 
And we think Julie hates us. I don't even know if I've met Julie. And I think Julie despises me and Brian because of this one incident. It wasn't our fault. I've been hearing about her for years, and I just assume the woman is a saint. Let's all agree that, um, that Michael Thompson, the minute he became a naturalized American became the greatest American that this country has to offer. Oh, like it's, I don't think it's even close. Question. No question. Oh, when, when 710 did that, uh, absolutely, they, they did a bracket where listeners voted basically d- determining the most popular, uh, on air personality. Like, I, when I remember when this thing started, it's like Michael's gonna win this thing in a walk, which he did. Like, it, w- it was not even close. I was like, Michael's gonna crush the entire field. Well, also like being like a first overall pick by the Lakers and um, hurt. No, uh, the Spurs. But I'm sorry, Spurs. I'm sorry. Or Portland? No, it's Portland. Portland. Then San Antonio. Ooh, fines all around. Oh wow! Come on, guys. Come on, guys. That's terrible. from this. Oh god, I screwed that up miserably. Virtual fine bucket. Go go walk to the ocean, Jeff. Yeah, I'll be back. Um, so there was a, one of the things we wanted to get into, um, one of the suggestions was you guys wanted to talk action movies, um, as, as a, uh, a topic, uh, we love action movies. You guys do as well. I know that actually action movies is often a topic of conversation on Levitard. And we thought a good way to get into this would be the news yesterday that Elizabeth Banks is going to be directing a movie called cocaine bear. For Universal, this is true. It is based on true events from 1985, where a 175-pound bear accidentally consumed accidentally consumed over 70 pounds of cocaine dropped from a plane by a smuggler. Um, again, it was a true story. The bear later found dead of an apparent drug overdose. Um, let that be a lesson to everybody. It is just not safe to do 70 pounds of blow. Yeah. By in the one way, sitting. none of the Bears' college roommates were at all surprised by what happened. <laughs> yeah, it, it, actually, from what I read, it was, this not, was it just was not, bear being bear. Well, it wasn't even, it actually wasn't even clear whether or not like the bear overdosed from this specific cocaine incident. Like, we don't know like if this was just like this incident was a gateway to another time where the bear eventually <laughs> overdosed playing. on a yeah, heroin, different opiates. <laughs> like we we don't know what the bear's history was before all that. So we'll, we'll look to learn more. But uh, anyway, the there the exact pl- uh, plot of this is under wraps. Unfortunately, it turns out there's not going to be a bear fight in the movie. But we thought we could make it better by bringing up who would be a great action hero to take on this bear. If you had to pick one guy. Who who do you who do you send to go after the cocaine fueled grizzly bear? Okay, I'm gonna go all in with this one. This one is the nuts. This is Jason Statham from Crank. Oh, that's on my list. The dude is messed up already. Jeff Chelios, yes, he's got, he's gonna absolutely understand like the mindset of a coked out bear because every time he resuscitates himself, he's essentially on a drug uh, drug binge. Like, absolutely. That is a great call, Chev Chelios. That's right. I'm here That's to right. Matthew Dog. That was my choice. You've already taken my choice. I swear I thought I was going to get to the end of this and nobody was going to get my pick. I'm telling you, that's the nuts. You're not going to get a better one. It's not, you're not going to do better than that. Like, I do challenge it. any of you because, like, the guy has to keep his heart rate up or he will die. What gets you, what keeps you energetic? What keeps you going? How about fighting a coke fueled bear for an hour? That'll do it. Okay. <laughs> so, none of you all are going to win now. Beep count, do that. Beep uh, did it already. Do you ask him, I mean, do your Statham again. You're talking about this, mate. <laughs> yes. It, it's a limited fake Jason Statham. Right. <laughs> what would he say to the bear? You want to fight? <laughs> I don't think so, mate. <laughs> it's not bad dialogue. It, it very, very, very limited fake. I mean, and that's that's action movie dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I love Statham, but you you just did like a third of the lines he's ever done in a movie. Like, <laughs> in it. All right, Jeff, who do you got? Okay, so I was thinking about this a little bit. I was originally going to go Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man, Ooh. Mm. and and the reason my first thought was. Well, in in the good year of our Lord 2032 in the city of San Angeles, certainly 
he would be able to update the knowledge of how to fight a coked out bear um, into his brain, which is how he got great about great at everything and demolition, man. But then I realized, you know, that's only 11 years in the future. And I don't think we're going to have collectively the knowledge as a civilization about how to fight a coked out bear. So I'm not sure you'd have anything to download into his mind. So then I kind of hit, and this is why I'm the Billy Gill. By the way, you do get points for using the expression year of our Lord, which is one of my favorites. Um, any, any other any other submissions? Oh, I have some. Oh, some, multiple. Go ahead, Lou. I'm going to go off the board on this one. If you guys know this character and have seen this movie, you'll understand why. So originally... I was going to go with Arnold Schwarzenegger from The Predator, the character from The Predator, because I figure mm -hmm. The Predator versus a coked-out bear is probably very similar what you're going to have to fight with. But I'm going with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, from The Edge. Yeah, it's because he's had experience with taking on a giant Kodiak bear that was stalking him for multiple hours. So I think that the wits of fighting a bear before, he'll, he'll figure out how to get him cornered. The bear will rise up. And he'll fall on the stick, and he'll just take it out using his uh, his pocket knife and a stick. <laughs> I, I remember years ago when that movie came out, uh, I read this profile of Anthony Hopkins, um, who I, I met briefly one time years ago, and he was extremely nice and, and just really down to earth, very cool. But he he was doing uh, press for the Edge, and so uh, the the people in this the presser like the media members were being like very art film snobby about this thing and he could tell right away and you know one reporter asked him like you know what what drew you to this movie anthony and just said the money <laughs> like <laughs> and then like some some other reporter asks him like so like when when you're looking at your character wait where exactly did you see the arc and, and the and the development? And he just goes, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Which was just hilarious. Because again, he, he's fighting a bear with Alec Baldwin. Like, that's the movie. There's nothing more to discuss. Like, it goes no deeper than that. <laughs> fighting, a, fighting a bear. That's all it is. Um, who do you got, Jeanette? Well... Initially, I wanted to go off the reservation as well because, do it. You know, as an as an animal lover, I just didn't want to see this fight between a man and a bear. So I thought, who would be someone that could reason or attempt to reason with this animal? Talk get down, it to coked out bear, right? Nicholas get it, you know, get it to go to rehab. You know, turn its <laughs> life around, um, reunite with its family, forgive its father, its mother, whatever caused it to just go on this unhealthy binge so i dialed up one ace ventura pet detective oh okay i like that yeah. so so you're you're looking for like a benevolent action here we know though that ace can handle a car chase yeah so if, <laughs> if that bear steals a car and he can catch a bullet in his teeth <laughs> yes he can yes and he, he'll fight he'll put himself guns, there Jeff. in the mindset of the bear he'll understand it you know he was he was in Miami for a while, so he knows what cocaine, the effects of cocaine can have. So yes, he does. He, he would be perfect for this, um, you know, transaction. <laughs> uh, uh, La Chris uh, Puente says, uh, I'm sorry, said Dr. Doolittle. Another off the board. <laughs> Did you uh, just Fleming call him La Chris Puente? I don't know. I'm not sure what I did. I just, I, I just thought you had to read. I just, how Crystal. <laughs> How, how would you say it, Brian? La Crispute or Crispute, but like not certainly not the way you did. I I okay. I mean, it's looks like a bit of a made up name. I mean, I feel I'm like right, I but I'm just saying the letters. The letters in the order that they are have meaning. <laughs> like, I was, trying, I was trying to get. I was trying to give it a little bit of flair, a little bit of panache. I mean, here's, 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 here's my guess on that. There's a band called Law Dispute, so I imagine that maybe he is a fan of Law Dispute, and he just changed out uh, the dispute to Chris Butte. I believe okay. you mean Law Dispute. <laughs> Do we have a fourth suggestion? Because I'm making a poll. And uh, what you got? Um, so I was going to go with Snake from Escape from New York. Ooh, I just think bad. he's got a, you know, it's yeah, he's he's, he's not going to overpower him, 
physically, like, uh, but he's going to be able to connive his way probably to, uh, you know, getting that bear in a spot that he doesn't want to be in and then finishing it. I don't know. No, that is not bad at all. I mean, he and you know he's good enough to take on multiple sequels. Like you know, Snake has done it, and he's done it on both coasts. He's pretty good. Hey, he uh, didn't he storm Disneyland in the in the LA one? I feel like he did. He might have. He might have. Brian, do you you have anyone besides Chelios? (laughs) (laughs) What did you have anyone, Brian? Did you have anyone besides Chelios? Uh, well, I was, you know, you can never go wrong with John Wick. I mean, he's very, you know, and, and he was, you know, the, you got to presume that if the shirt that he wears and the jacket that he wears can stop bullets, um, it would probably do well against bear claws. Um, so he's, he's, he's relatively well protected, although bears do go for the face, which is one of the only places uh, that he's not wearing anything. And never gets shot lover. in the face, which I think is always a mistake on the part of the... <laughs> The people in John Wick. <laughs> Just in general, like like bulletproof S in general. It's like, yes, this is very good and protective here, but can't they just aim up a little? They, I've this is wondered. a good question for Ron McGill. I, this is actually a very good, especially with the cocaine element of it. Mm-hmm. But I have always wondered about that. I mean, maybe it's just because a headshot is harder to actually do than hitting the body. Like you, you've got a wider target with the body than the actual head, particularly if the head ducks, something like that. If they if they see a shot coming, that would that would be my guess. In terms but of, if, I, if I'm in a situation where I might get shot, like here, <laughs> give me give me a helmet too, bro. Well, I mean, that would explain why riot police tend to wear those shields, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, a bulletproof helmet or a bulletproof hat would definitely a, a bulletproof fedora, something like that would. <laughs> Help. Yeah, Kevlar. Um, I had besides Kellyos, that was my number one. Um, John Otway, Liam Neeson's character in the gray, because we saw him fight wolves already. And he took yes. those on. It's just the next step. <laughs> it is, it's the next step up. Um, Dom Toretto from the Fast and Furious, just the progression of that guy going from boosting DVDs to essentially like the greatest Navy SEAL ever. Um, and he's really good at handling new shit that gets thrown at him. So might as well throw a cocaine bear his way. And then uh, Crease, Denzel's character in Man on Fire. That guy is a badass. That guy can handle anything. So he's I'm, high on my list. I'm pretty surprised just... no one has said Leo from The Revenant. I mean, he literally killed a bear. That's true. He slept in a bear. He slept I in a bear. I think the question becomes, and this is where you really need a Not ruling, is that action. an action hero? Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't a cocaine bear. It's true. I mean, he could barely handle a sober bear. Like, if, if you had him take on a coke field bear, I, I don't think he's winning that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about Wolf of Wall Street, Leo, versus, uh, <laughs> versus cocaine bear? I said coked up Leo. <laughs> ah, good one, Chris Lapuete. <laughs> Excellent. Lapute. <laughs> Lapute. Nicely done. Um. You guys, you guys hear them talk, uh, Levitard, a lot about action heroes, a lot, a lot about that genre. Stu Gotts, uh, his obsession with Tango and Cash. Um, it, if you had to guess who they would pick to take on the Cocaine Bear, who do you think they would nominate? Rocky from Rocky Four. <laughs> he's, he's training in the mountains he's in the mountains he's training with the logs he's got this he's doing the pull-ups he takes on drago that's it he's winning sausage fingers everywhere for everyone <laughs> i do love that movie it's the greatest movie i mean it is it is it is the la- single laziest script ever written it's probably 15 pages long. It's the only movie I've ever seen that has the the, the montage followed by a montage. Like it yeah. goes training montage, Adrian arrives, and they go right back into a training montage. There's uh, James Brown at the beginning. There's, I mean, you know, that's not that's that's before you get into all the boxing scenes themselves, like all that stuff. Like the, the there's nine lines of actual script in this movie. It's delightfully lazy, and it's one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> And uh, one of the best soundtracks of any of the Rocky movies. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. That that one is the best. Well, I mean, it's it's I believe sir, it's got a Survivor 
song too. Yeah, because that I believe that Hearts on Fire, Hearts of Hearts Fire. On, song, yes, that that is Survivor. They brought that back. Like they recycle everything. Like each Rocky <laughs> just recycles a little bit more from the last time around. And you know, four took everything that was just recycled from three. That three recycled from two. Because two is essentially one with just Adrian in the hospital. Like it's it's a, it's essentially the same movie. It's really not that much different at all, but it worked. All right, so one of you guys, I don't remember who, suggested um, a game of movie poker. Um, I, it was that beep count. That that was that was beep count. Okay, so, so go ahead. No, you had a question about it. Well, I was going to say we the way we decided to do this because ultimately we were trying to figure out a way that you could actually advance rounds in this is we would divide us up into sides, and one side would judge the winner of the other side. Then the next round, the earlier side would judge the winner of the next side, and then you would have two finalists going head to head um, as as the best way to actually streamline the process and also be able to determine a winner from each round does that does that work for you guys in terms of the way we would play the movie poker sure that works the way i think we're i didn't understand it but that's okay (laughs) basically we're gonna be be playing movie poker by sides so side a is going to be brian lou jeanette and ant with me beep and jeff judging then the next round is going to be me Beep and Jeff playing with the other four of you judging the winner. And then there will be a winner from each side that advances eventually declare the crown. The way the first round of movie poker will be played is where did it go? Okay. A movie from 1998. The year is 1998 selected randomly by my wife who had no idea why I was even asking her. I just had to pick a year <laughs> between 1981 and 2020. 98. You guys each were assigned to create a poker hand of the best five movies from 1998 or the best poker hand of movies from 1998. Each of you will reveal your poker hand and then me, Beep, and Jeff will determine who had the winning hand. Brian, go first. I will go first. Okay. Um, I, 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 the hard one here is what do you do with the one that actually won best picture, which is Shakespeare in Love, which is not a movie I particularly like. Um, and think it was wildly sort of overrated as a best picture winner. So I've st- I've left it out. Uh, my movie poker, uh, st- my 1998 hand starts with Saving Private Ryan. Um, got a lot of prestige. It's actually a really good movie. It's extremely watchable, which you know because it's on TV all the time. Big Lebowski uh, is number two in my hand. And then after that, I'm going Truman Show. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky. That fifth car, uh, so that's, Three is that three or four? Yes, three. Three. I think I'm going in, and I, I thought about this for a while. I'm adding insomnia into my into my you got the wrong insomnia. Oh, I, I believe, did. I believe oh, you've no. got the the foreign one, not the one with Pacino. You got the original, right? Not the Pacino, exactly. Robert, which you what have. I intended. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have too not. late to go back now. <laughs> I sure hope that movie's good. <laughs> What language is it in? <laughs> Danish. I, I don't know. Danish or something like that. That's one of the best languages that we have. <laughs> um, and my, my fifth one, I went back and forth. Do I want another war movie with a lot of prestige? Because you got the thin red line just hanging out there, correct? Yeah. The American version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, or Rushmore, which I love. Or there's something about Mary landmark comedy of 1998 and I filled out my poker hand I felt like it was lacking in true sort of silly comedy like that so I went something about Mary okay Norwegian by the way Norwegian Brian is better Uh, (laughs) (laughs) right. so uh, I'm first I'm going to go with a comedy I'm going to go with half baked because Dave Chappelle killed it during that time. And, you know, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'm out. Boo this man. <laughs> we have that, don't we? I see yes. him. Yes, we do. Did Lou die? No, no. Yeah. I was just 
I was just laying, laying in the la- picture. I was just laying in the picture. Next, I'm going to go with Rounders. <sighs> Excellent. Thought Such about that. Movie. Thought another, about um, Big Lebowski definitely was on my list. Uh, I'm going to go with American History X, throw a little seriousness into that. And then... Um, was it really serious? <laughs> was American History <laughs> It's really a serious movie. A movie anybody ever is going to watch twice. <laughs> mm, probably not. But I still, I still like occasionally. If actually, you know what? I don't remember last time I watched it. But the last one I'm going to go uh, probably has one of the words world's greatest car chases, and that's Ronin. Oh mm. yeah, that is a good. That is a great, great car chase. All right, Jeanette, your poker hand. Okay. Um, According to the internet, uh, these are movies from 1998. Fear and and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Elizabeth. Patch Adams. Rush Hour. And uh, The Wedding Singer. Those are, in fact, all movies from 1998. So well done. Have you ever seen Patch Adams? Uh, only the end. It's catastrophically <laughs> terrible. I was going to say, God. It, and it's depressing, and it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's no bueno. It's, I am it's awful. Lie. I did not see that one coming <laughs> at all. <laughs> like you, you may have lost the poker hand specifically. <laughs> did I really? Did I really? I picked, at least I picked the wrong version of a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> All I hear is a applause, merriment. I, I think I won that round. Did you pick the the Norwegian <laughs> original version of Insomnia? Norwegian Pat Yadda. <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> All right, Ant. Well, I'm going to, sorry, take what a lot of others had said and combine together. Because for me, Rounders starts off my list um, as secondly, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You're saving Patch Adams for the end? I am. I am. Um, um, Big Lebowski, um, The Truman Show, and then I'm going to go with The Dead Red Line over Saving Private Rhyming just for personal taste. But Wow. Those no, it's reasonable. Guys. It's reasonable. All right. So now, Beep, Jeff, and I, let's say we've got like 30 seconds, 15, 15 to 30 seconds to decide this thing, to talk amongst ourselves who do you think? Who do you think came out the best? So Brian went in with a seven deuce offsuit with that uh, Norwegian insomnia. He's out. Uh, Jeanette, yeah, it was, I'm it sorry, was a Patch Adams, you're you're out as well. So <laughs> this is going to be between uh, Lou and Ant. Um, very similar list there. I'm leaning more towards Lou because he did bring in, um, you know, a little bit of the uh, the marijuana, the cannabis culture uh, with half baked. And who doesn't love Dave Chappelle? Yeah. It, that that movie has aged actually very well. Happened. You in here for weed? Who <laughs> <laughs> this butter nuts? Um, I will say though, in Ant's favor for me is the inclusion of. Uh, oh no, both have rounders. Both, both have, rounders. have rounders. I think I'm going with Lou as well. I actually think Lou's list beats out Ant's by just a hair. Jeff, are you making this a clean sweep, or are you going to make a really strong case for Ant? I, I'm not gonna make a really strong case for Ant, but I'm just, you, gonna, I'm just gonna uh, throw my vote in his favor anyway because he's gonna lose, and I, I want to give him a little sympathy. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. Lou, carelessness. The, the, the moral of the story: don't be careless and don't choose Patch Adams. All right, so <laughs> the second the second part of this before we get to the end is now Andy, Beep, and Jeff make a poker hand out of Meryl Streep films. Yes, Meryl Streep. Films overrated. Meryl <laughs> <laughs> Streep, give me a break. This Meryl Streep, I mean. All right, Andy, you start. Do it in the Oscars. Um, <laughs> I am beginning with The Deer Hunter, uh, 1978 mm. best picture, and I, I think the best war movie ever made. Meryl Streep, very, very good uh, performance early in her career, Oscar nominated. Then Adaptation, uh, her and Nick Cage, fantastic, absurdist film. She's really, really good playing uh, the author Susan Orlean. Uh, next, Postcards from the Edge, 
uh, not that common Meryl Streep comedy. She is absolutely hilarious in it, basically playing Carrie Fisher. It's based mm -hmm. off the novel Carrie Fisher wrote about uh, her issues with drugs and growing up the daughter of, um, God, what's it, Debbie Reynolds. Um, then I'm going with Mamma Mia, which is a fun movie. It's a crowd pleaser, and it is gorgeous. That movie, it, it, like, I've never seen a Denver. movie make locale Sunshine look better. Star. It's amazing. Then I thought about Kramer versus Kramer, which she was she won her the first of her three Oscars. But then I realized how often do I actually want to watch Kramer versus Kramer? And you don't need prestige to prove Meryl Streep's worth because we know that already. So I'm going Julie and Julia, which is actually a really fun movie where she plays Julia Child. So those are my five. It's a solid list. Leaving Thank points you. off uh, for not having Patch Adams. <laughs> Even though she wasn't in it. Doesn't matter. Meryl Should have been. Would have elevated that project, I think, a lot. She could have been Patch. <laughs> or Adams. <laughs> Beep. So I, uh, I got to admit something. I can't remember the last time I've ever seen a Meryl Streep movie. So this is going to be the Meryl Streep list, uh, courtesy of Mrs. Beep. Okay. Um, number one is going to be The Devil Wears Prada. Mm -hmm. Thought um, about that one. Number two is going to be Julie and Julia. Uh, my wife is actually a fantastic uh, cook. She actually has her minor in culinary arts. So that one is definitely on the list there for her. Uh, number three was Out of Africa. Um, 19... 85, I believe. 85. Yeah, 84, 85, something like that. Um, number four was, yeah, be best picture. Uh, number four is going to be the post with mm -hmm. Tom Hanks. And then number five was actually, the, I think the last movie that I did see with her, which is doubt, uh, with, uh, Philip Seymour. Very light film. Very extremely just light. Just, just something you I can, mean, you know, have your phone there right with you the whole time. Popcorn. You do a double right. bill of that in American history X. You are laughing. Oof. Ass off. <laughs> yeah, wash down a little patch Adams. Uh, yeah. Jeff, that is a good list. Jeff, that is I, I uh, say it, that is a really good list. Well, I I had I had quite a few of the same as Beep actually, so this is going to be differentiated in the details, I suppose. Um, I had Devil Wears Prada also. I had Julie and Julia also. I had Bridges of Madison County. Sorry, you lost me. <laughs> I had Mama Mia and then out of Africa. Okay. Right. Okay. I will say this. I think all three of us made good lists. It's a Meryl Streep movies. I mean, how do you make a bad one? Um, all right, gang. All right, so it's devil or something. You, it's me, Jeanette, <laughs> Lou, and Ant. Uh, we, we, we now pick a winner, correct? Yes. All yes. right. Uh, Ant. So I'm leading towards Andy. I really uh, liked his list the most of the three, although it was close. Um, you know, that's that's just sort of my uh, the way I looked at it. I thought he led off very well, and I think he was solid throughout his list. And uh, that's strong argument, Jeanette. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's two in the morning out there. <laughs> I was not listening, uh, Jeanette. It's your turn. <laughs> I am having trouble to, uh, between Andy and, and Jeff. Any inclusion of uh, Mamma Mia uh, has me torn. So no offense to Mrs. Beep, uh, but, you know. She's going to hear about this. That's cool. Um, <laughs> so I would have to go with then um, Jeff because... Teach one with Devil Wears Prada. So All right. Lou? All right. Tiebreaker. Kingmaker. Uh, I'm going with Andy because you guys have more Twitter followers. And if you guys follow me and if I pick you, uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just all around better for me. All right. So I'm going with Andy. <laughs> Lou, uh, Lou, you're getting cut from the next episode. It is uh, at StugatsArmy790. <laughs> 
Chef, I've never seen any of these movies. <laughs> I swear to God, I haven't. So you just made the list, and you just like I've never actually seen any of these films. Like I was telling Andy, like I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of them in a while. Like I haven't seen, I haven't like popped Silkwood in the old VCR anytime recently. <laughs> but I mean, that explains I'm, I'm the. The lack of confidence in your list. A little bit of Stugatz in everybody. Stugatz uh, <laughs> is strong in Lou. <laughs> uh, what you going to do? It's in his Twitter name. That's true. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. All right, so me. Andy wins. Now, how do we conclude this, Andy? Okay, the conclusion, which is going to be me versus Lou, um, what was proposed by, uh, by Beep Count was essentially a six degrees of separation between two actors um, who have never been in a movie together and whoever can create the fewest degrees, you have to be connect them by actors and whoever can create the fewest amount of layers for that connection point wins. Um, I, ch I had to be on an honor system. I chose the two actors, but I've given it no thought. I basically chose them right before this thing started. Mel um, Sheep and Patch Adams. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I chose one actor who is, on the rise now, but has not done many films, and another actor who has been retired for a good 10 to 15 years. So John David Washington, the star of Tenet and Black Klansman, son of Denzel Washington, and the great Gene Hackman, who has not done a movie since the great Welcome to Mooseport. Um, in I believe like 2002 or something, he really ought to come back to make one more. <laughs> Just he needs to close out on a better note. But John David Washington and Gene Hackman, uh, me and Lou, can I can go? Connect? Yes, uh, I'm going to go with Crimson Tide because I believe Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington were both in that movie. Right, am I playing this game right, or am I no. not doing it wrong? No. <laughs> You're connecting totally John wrong. John David to Gene Hackman, not Denzel. Unless John David and Denzel have been in a movie together, hmm. but I don't believe they have. I think Brian might be muted. Brian is muted. <laughs> better? Yes. There you go. Hey, it would have made more sense, Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman, because it would have been a lot easier because they've been in more movies. No, no, but that makes it too easy. First of all, you can't pick two guys who've starred together because then oh, so, to do the same. Uh, I thought you were doing the chain thing where you try to you know you name this one, whatever. You're doing six degrees. Yes, I, right. I, yeah, so it'd be like Brad Pitt was in. So if you're connecting, right. say Brad Pitt to Tom, move Hanks, along. Brad My Pitt bad. was in Ocean's Eleven with Matt Damon. Matt Can Damon anybody tell in. me what country Crimson Tide was filmed in? <laughs> <laughs> what language is that? Is that oh, an right. English language film? It was Danish. I hope so. Lou, would you want to try again with John David? Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think because, I mean, I think the only thing I know, uh, I know, uh, well, he was in Ballers. And yeah. Tenet. Ballers um, man, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Is The only other Gene Hackman movie I'm thinking of is The Replacements. Uh, <laughs> it's like. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I made this intentionally difficult. Like I said, I have given this no thought at all. So let me see how I can do this. Wait, John, did you say Gene Hackman? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I got the wrong. Okay, never mind. Continue. <laughs> I had the wrong Gene in my head for a second. Gene Hackman, the Norwegian actor from Insomnia? Mean Gene Oakland? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Mean Gene. Oh, you mean Gene Hackman. I'm sorry. Uh, mean Gene Hackman. Oh, this is much easier. Oh, Gene Hackman. Okay. Right. <laughs> Different mm, guy. Okay. Um, John David Washington to Gene Hackman. Let's see. John John I David can do it two moves. You can? Mm -hmm. But I'll do it after you're done. John David Washington was in Black Klansman with Adam Driver. Adam Driver was in Adam Driver was in God what movies has he done that I hate? Star Wars He was in he was in Star <laughs> Wars <laughs> He was in Star Wars with Boba Fett Betty Davis 
<laughs> okay, Brian, what is it? I really Yoda. give No, what uh what's your two moves? Um John David Washington was in Malcolm X playing a student in a Harlem classroom. Um oh wow, what a pull. So he so John John Del, uh John David Washington wow. was with uh Denzel Washington Denzel. in uh, Malcolm X, who was in Crimson Tide. Wow. With Gene Hackman. Brian somehow won this thing. Despite right, I, I got, I got, well, I got one more. So okay. he, uh, John David Washington was in Book of Eli. Yes. Oh, so basically, the key to this was to go uh, with the movie nepotism. Nepotism, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess I should have clarified some of the rules. I guess he had to be a credited actor, not an extra background actor, something like that. But sure, no. yeah, those... nepotism no, wins. No, we'll bring this the details with uh, Lauer after hours and the Cody's. Yes, rule. So there you <laughs> go. It's <laughs> like it's like Steve Mason in a League of Their Own. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys happen to see the art, by the way, uh, the, from our show a few days ago? Steve Mason's original art. Yes, yes. I want to print. Excellent. Oh, this is amazing. Look at this. <laughs> we had Mason on. We had no idea that he did this. What do you guys think it is, by the way? Before we let you go, what do you guys think that is? It's uh, it's a profile picture with the beak. It's cocaine it's a, bear. No, it's 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 a, it's a colorful zebra. Gene Hackman. <laughs> Patch Adams. Steve Mason watching the movie Insomnia, but the Norwegian version. <laughs> I've never seen any of these films. It's his reaction to American History X. It's him in a yoga pose. It's it's Mace in a yoga pose, and those are chakras, correct, Brian? I believe so. Oh, so, man. Mason loves him some Mace. Shocking it. Mason does love him some He had Mace. a painting phase that apparently lasted like a few weeks, and all he did was paint himself. He also had a candle making for real. He was a Chandler. <laughs> you guys know that that's the word for a candle maker? Yes, I learned it on when, last Friday. With us? I learned it yesterday. <laughs> uh, All right, Lauer After Hours. Uh, thank you. You guys have, what, like three, four shows a week, something like that? I mean, you, got, you guys are constantly producing content, so everybody yeah. needs to be subscribing. Check out, uh, check out the podcast. Go shop. I was going to say... For some merch, shop.lowerafterhours.com. You got some hats. You got other stuff. It was awesome. It was awesome appearing on your guys' podcast, and it was great having you guys on our show, man. We Lou, hold on. Lou, Lou has something yeah, to say. Before, before we let you guys go. So uh, traditionally, uh, as most things, you're supposed to bring a gift when you join someone's podcast or when they join your podcast. So um Keeping a spirit of welding hats. Wait, is that true? Like, so the, all that we've been doing this show five nights a week for a year, and nobody's bringing us shit. It's a, it's like, a thing we've that had we, it's hundreds a thing that we of do. shows at this point, and it's nobody has we ever brought us it, anything. It's honestly, it's a thing that we we do in our podcast, and I I I missed out on you guys, and so I made up for it, and I got some little uh, hats for y'all. If you can see, oh, it. nice. It says oh, the late awesome. night happy hour with. Two guys playing basketball that I thought was going to be kind of fun for y'all. Wait, hold on. Oh, let me see. Let me let me move that. Can I move you? There we go. Oh wow! Look at that. Oh my god! Those are two really unathletic looking dudes. Yes. Yeah. Which one am I? <laughs> I almost put glasses on one of y'all, but it, it was just too small of a detail to put we in. We could so. not be whiter. Yeah. Oh <laughs> You just made I'm, that? Yeah, that's what I do. I mean, that's as you can see. I know, see, but that's, you, they, yeah. they objected when they when I called you a haberdasher. <laughs> no, yeah. that's what that's what I do for a living. That's oh my god, man, that's awesome. Thank you. That but is I, really cool. But I have stipulations. I I need a follow on Twitter and then a, a retweet. Okay, done. <laughs> oh, that's because yeah. a haberdasher is not a hat maker. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He's a welder. Of I'm a welder. No, we had Sarah Spain on, and she was like, "I saw you doing some back there. Like, are you like welding hats?" And so I have, <laughs> I have co-opted welder of hats as my profession. Okay, I should have called you a Milner. <laughs> you have just been followed, my friend, and we will give you a retweet. All Absolutely. right, that wow. is. Okay. Awesome. And we'll definitely get those much. things after you for sure, guys. And yep. Get your no, I want to thank you, Lou, for doing that. And I also want to really take to task 
again, the hundred, we've done like 200 of these. And apparently people have been supposed to bring us gifts the entire time. I mean, yeah. I, I'll say this, Lou. I mean, if I hope you weren't giving us the hats just to try to win the game. Like, like they're stupid. I mean, I would not. I would not put it past myself to do that because that's exactly <laughs> what I would do. That, that's awesome, man. Thank you guys very that's much. Awesome. Thank you so much. Case, that is super cool. We we truly appreciate that, man. Thank you. Sure. Um, it was awesome having you guys on tomorrow night. Special time. Be aware. Nine p.m. Pacific. We're gonna have Michael Lee, awesome NBA writer. Um, seasons starting back up again and we're gonna get a look at what's gone on what to look ahead for buyouts trade deadline all that stuff michael is as plugged in as anybody who covers the nba so it's a dangerous game so it's gonna be a lot of fun we will see everyone tomorrow donkey needle on <laughs>